if you guys have seen the news, you've been on the news at all, you see what's going on in Charlottesville. Listen, as a church, we do not stand for any of that nonsense. Right? We don't care what color you are. <laughs> You're welcome here in this place. You know, here's Trey. He's, right, he's the only black guy in the room, you know. He probably feels kind of alone, doesn't he? I'm like, but he is, but he's our brother. He's my brother. You know, and no matter what color of our skin, our, God sees us the same. And we know that's true, but why isn't that true with some people? I don't, I don't get, it's ignorance. I don't know why it is that way, but as a church, we don't stand for that. Um, and so if you have a problem with people of different races, different colors, you're in the wrong church. And there might be one for you down the road, but it's not here. Okay, so you're welcome here no matter where you're from, uh, how much money you have, what it is that you've, whatever you've done in the past, none of that stuff matters. It just doesn't matter. Because it doesn't matter to the Lord. And so let's just, let's just make sure we're clear about that. Keep praying for that situation. Um, you know, later on in this sermon, there's a, I get to this place where I say, at, at the center of the word sin, what is the center letter in the word sin? I. You know, and it's almost at the center of the word racism, too. We think about I, think about me, how this concerns me, and we, don't, and we forget about those people around us that are different than we are, but yet they're the same. They have the same pain, same struggle. They come in here with the same heartache, same joys. We need to celebrate that together. All right, I'm going to need some help this morning. So in your bulletin, if you've got a bulletin, there's, there's the letters G-O-S-P-E-L. And I, I, keep, I keep preaching on this particular topic because we want you to know the gospel to give away the gospel, okay? And so, so well, here's what I'm going to need, though. I'm going to need a child about nine years old. Now, this is going to have to be someone who's willing to stand up here for, for the time that we're together, okay? I need a child nine. I need a teenager. doesn't matter, boy or girl. I need a millennial, you modern-day young people like Alec, <laughs> I need a guy about my age or a woman my age, and then I need a person that is old enough to be my parent, which, by the way, my mom is here. Wave at my mom is here. Um, she's my parent. But uh, so that's what I need. I need five, and then I need someone who is willing to uh, play the role of Jesus, okay? All right, so six people, all right? Now, don't wait. We don't got all day, all right? So, uh, so come up here if that's you, Okay? All right, we have a young teenager coming here, it looks like, because we've got some girls. We got a, Randy, are you representing the old people? You're not. All right, good. Teenager, I, need, I still need a nine-year-old. I need a, and I need a millennial. I need a young adult. Alec, you can do this, man. You were up here already, so you, you, you used to. Okay, you guys come up on the stage. Come up on the stage. All right, I still need somebody to play Jesus. And I still need, what else do I need? Okay, I still need a nine-year-old, right? I know, I know, but you know, it's, I was wrong, Traven. You're, you're not alone. Hey, brother. <laughs> Good to have you, man. <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. Um, all right, any, any other young person? Grady, can you do it? He's like, no way, man. 
No way. All right, well, for, just for the sake of, we'll just pretend like there's one up here. All right, so let's go in age order, okay? So starting with um, the eldest down to the youngest, okay? So Randy, you're here. So let's spread out a little bit. Maddie, you can go on a little bit further. Go on down. All right, pass this down. All right, still need Jesus. Someone to be Jesus. Oh, I got, man, there we go. We got one right there. Where's he going to be? All right, he's going to just be behind her. Yeah, okay. All right, just hold on to this. Just like this. That's good. Does your dad think he's Jesus at home? <laughs> All right, Jesus always has to have a purple sash, right? Isn't that... Now that's just the way it should be, okay? So Jesus, I just want to kind of have you in the background here, okay? All right, you're just going to stand back here and just kind of observe. Okay. Just stand there. How many of you have ever seen this book before? How many of you know who Max Lucado is? Max Lucado, he wrote this little, this little um, it's really just a quick read that just shares the gospel in a very profound way called He Did This Just For You. If you've never read this book before, I encourage you to just go online and uh, sh- search for it. They're not very expensive at all. I think we ordered like 10 of them or something like that. We'll have them here next week. We'll just send them out if you don't think about it. But So I was sitting in, sitting in my chair the other day, and I was just thinking about this day. And I got this idea from Bible school. And there was, a, there was kind of like a teaching exercise in the Bible school curriculum and I sat down and I thought, you know, I don't, I'm not always good at this, but I think I want to start my day just, just with focusing on the Lord. You know, just focus on God. I'm not super, like, religious about it. It's not like I'm up at 5 a.m. every morning for an hour burning incense and praying. You know, which is, I would be better off if I would be a little bit more intentional. But I, so, I, so I sat down and I started reading, and I couldn't stop reading. I read the whole thing, which is a quick read. And in it is this incredible story about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's the good news. And I'm going to share this good news with you today in a kind of unique way. And so, so God, obviously you got our guy finally, I think G's finally going to stay there. Um, so this is God and he created us to be with him. So I want you, everyone to turn to face him. And so hold on to the cord with your left hand and with your right hand, reach out to God. God created us to be with him. We are the crown of creation. And it's the crown of creation and the creator. They walked together in the cool of the day. It was the ultimate love connection. It was divine. And the original creation were the righteousness of God, acceptable to him. Created good, created in perfection. And all was right in the world because humanity was right where they were created to be. They were with their father. By him, for him would have been the hashtag that ruled the day. Hashtag by him, for him. But the serpent who was craftier than all the other creatures that God had created came to Adam and Eve and he deceived them. He tricked them. He got them to take their eyes off of God so turn away and their focus on a counterfeit go ahead and turn away Randy 
Randy's not giving up. I am staying here. <laughs> I, know that, I know how this story goes. I'm not leaving. Randy should have been there in the garden. But our sin, and when I say our sin, not just Adam and Eve's sin, but our sin separates us from God. Romans 5.12 says that sin entered into the world through one man. And that man was Adam. And death was a result of that sin. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. And there is no greater death than the separation from the very one who created us to be with him. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. There is no one righteous. No, not even one on the earth because the sin brought a curse upon mankind it was the worst kind of birth defect that we could ever experience and it left this cosmic gap <laughs> between God and man Romans 1.23 says that we exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man, birds, animals, and reptiles. 1.25 says that we exchanged the truth of God for a lie. We worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who was to forever to be praised. The, re the reality is, is we really started to worship ourselves. And that is where you find the eye at the center of the word sin. It is in the moment that we, can, we could find ourselves in, in going in two different directions when we come to this place. When we come to this realization that it's true, my sin has caused me to be separated from God. We can do two, two things. There's two emotions that we can practice at this particular moment. The first one is pride. We can become very prideful and say, whatever, God, I don't need you anyway. I've never needed you. Okay, yeah, so maybe you created me. That's what some say. But, but ultimately, really, I don't need you. I can do this on my own. Or we could find ourselves suffering from an overwhelming shame. In Max Lucado's little book that I showed you, it says he talked about pride and shame being two sisters. And this is what he says. He says, pride puffs out her chest. Shame hangs her head. Pride boasts, shame hides. Pride seeks to be seen, shame seeks to be avoided. But don't be fooled, the emotions have the same parentage and the emotions have the same impact. They keep you away from the Father. Pride says you're too good for him, shame says you're too bad for him. Pride drives you away and shame keeps you away. Pride go, it says if pride goes before a fall, then shame keeps you from getting up after one. So now what? How do we bridge, how do we bridge the gap? Can this gap be fixed? Well, it cannot be fixed by anything that you have done because sin, this is the S in the gospel, sin cannot be removed by good deeds. So turn, face back to God, and just kind of 
wave at him. Like, hey, God, see me? I'm over here. I'm right here. Look, at, look I'm, I'm going to be a good person from now on. I'm going to be the best person I can be. I'm going to at least be better than the person next to me. I'm going to at least be better than my neighbor. But you can't do anything to fix this yourself. Mankind has tried over the years. It's called religion, man's attempt to get to God. But Christianity is different because it's God coming to man. God came. He jumped into humanity like the O jumping off of that board. He jumped. Yeah, we live in an imperfect world, don't we? So here's the P. Paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. So Jesus comes to bridge the gap between God and man. Jesus comes to bridge the gap. What does John 3.16 say? For God so loved the world, what did he do because of his love for you and me? What does it say? He gave his one and only son, right? Jesus left heaven and came to earth to take on the very nature of a servant. Became obedient to death, even death on a cross. God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5.8. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says that he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf so that we might become acceptable to God again. The righteousness of God restored to the original order of things. Jesus took the sin of the world and nailed it to a cross. Jesus satisfied the wrath of God so that we could be set free. You know how I said death came into the world through one man, Adam? Well, reconciliation for the world came through one man, and his name was Jesus. Max Lucado goes on to say in this book, the Greek word for reconcile means to render something otherwise. The cross tells you exactly how far God will go to bring you back to where you were created to be. Reconciliation restitches the unraveled, reverses the rebellion, rekindles the cold passion. Reconciliation, reconciliation touches the shoulder of the wayward one and woos them homeward. All right, so now what? <laughs> So if Jesus does this, if he pays the price for sin, he died and he rises again, now what? Well, it says in John 14, 6 that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through Jesus. And Acts 4, 12 says salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. So if the wages of sin might be death, but the rest of that verse is but the gift of God, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Ephesians, it says that salvation is by grace alone, by faith alone, meaning we completely trust in Christ and his redeeming work on the cross. So when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, Romans chapter 10 says you'll be saved. And at that moment, you cross over from death to life. 
back to where you were created to be in the beginning. Thank you, guys. Jesus has done everything necessary to reconcile mankind to the Father. And then it's up to us to choose life or death. And there's real power in our confession to say that, Jesus, you are Lord. Like, I don't just have a, a mental conception of what it is that you've done. I've actually allowed it to, to, to penetrate my heart to the point where it affects my feet. It affects where I go and how I live and, and what I do with the rest of this life that you've given me. It changes everything. So this life, this is the last part of the gospel, life that is eternal starts the moment that you put your faith, that is the moment that you believe because at the last part of John three sixteen, it says for whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life and it is that, that putting our hope and trust in something greater than ourselves something that we couldn't fix on our own instead we trust that Jesus has fixed it for us you experience life to the full, obviously in eternity, even though we can't see that, that's our belief, that's what our hope is, but we experience life to the full while we're here on earth. Now, that doesn't mean we're free of heartache and pain. We can all testify, right, to the heartache and pain of just being a human. Every single one of us have experienced Heartache and pain. Think about it. If we went around the room and we just asked, just took the microphone, went up, just tell me the greatest thing, the greatest pain that you've ever experienced here on earth. Just tell me what it is. Can you imagine all of the different, different stories we would hear? But then can you imagine how many similar ones we would hear too? Like we would just keep track. I mean, I can just look out in the crowd and I see your face. I mean, I see my mom and I know the pain that she's experienced. Part of that was me. <laughs> I was a pain <laughs> for a little while. <laughs> short period of time, right, Mom? Just a short period of time, yeah. Compared to my brothers and sisters, I mean, I mean, yeah, there, I was here. <laughs> and that's just one story. So it doesn't mean that this life lived in Christ, for Christ, is going to be free of pain. It doesn't mean uh, that we're, everything's going to be perfect from this moment on that you believe. But here, here's what it does mean. We will be free of ever having to walk alone ever again. Because ultimately, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. At that moment that you put your trust and faith in Jesus, God says, I will send back the Holy Spirit to come and live in you, to guide you, to comfort you, to counsel you. Yeah, even to correct you. <laughs> But then something a little bit even more tangible than that is then you have a family 
living around you to guide you and to comfort you. And I think that's the greatest benefit of the local church. Because you can find Christ at home on your knees. But then when you need someone to come alongside you and hug you and walk with you and encourage you, maybe even kick you in the pants a couple of times just to kind of get you going in the right direction, you can't find that at home alone. That's why we need each other. That's why we need the church. It says you have the hope and the promise of an eternity free of pain and suffering for eternity, for, for, for forever, I mean. And so that's, that's the benefit, that's the, re, the, the goal of our faith is the salvation of our soul. Tuesday morning, I went to our little group at Burger King, some guys that meet there, 6 a.m. It's one of the most unholy times of the day. Well, 5 a.m. would be even unholier, but 6 a.m. because we because people got to get on and go to work. But it's a really actually it's a credible time with some men. And while I was there, I got a message from a gentleman in our church says my dad died a couple hours ago. And one of the things I love the most about being a pastor is I get to switch hats. And so I go and I go into this man's home, and there's his father laying on a hospital bed, and he's gone. And there's his wife sitting in a wheelchair next to his bed. She's trying to wrap her mind around the fact that he's gone. And there's my friend who has just now been given the mantle of leadership in his home. He's now the head of the household because he's the man in the house. And he's trying to like reconcile all of that. (laughs) What am I supposed to do with that? But in the midst of that most painful experience here on earth, death. It's an incredible life. Because this man who died loved Jesus. He used to teach little kids in Sunday school about Jesus. He lived his life with faith in Jesus. And the Bible says we don't have to grieve like those who have no hope because he's with the Lord right now, experiencing life at a greater level than any of us are right here, right now. And that is, the, that is the hope that we have. And that makes all the difference in the world. Knowing that. That doesn't mean her pain goes away. It doesn't mean that it's all okay. She should just get over it. No, she's still going to grieve. It's going to be hard for her. It's going to all the adjustments that go along with it. But that doesn't change the hope that she has in Jesus. And does it change the need that she has for the church to come alongside her and love her and to love our friend that serves in our church? So now what? Now what? Last week, you heard me maybe talk about these disciples of Jesus who came to listen to his teaching. They were either curious, convinced, or they were committed. I'm going to ask you again this question. Which one are you today? When it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, are you just curious about it? Yeah, it sounds interesting. Maybe it too, sounds too good to be true. Like, really, I can put my hope in Jesus. He's going to forgive me of my sin, cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Really? Is that true? Yes, Christian says it's true. 
You might just be curious. "Ah, I'm still checking out. I'm not quite so sure I really want to fully commit. But I think the thing is, is most of us are in the convinced place where we're like, yes, I've already... I've made that. I've made that, that decision. I've put my hope and trust in Jesus. I, I believe that, he, that he's my Lord, that he, he died and he rose again. And because of that, I have hope in eternity. But we haven't got to the place where we're so committed that whatever he calls me to do, I will do it. So committed that, that that's this, this, this life in Jesus is my priority. It, everything else kind of revolves around that. That I'm going to look for my purpose, like Alex was talking about. I'm going to look for my purpose, what he, God has called me to do. Like, God, what does you want me to do? What does you want me to do right here, right now, right where I'm at? Are you at that place? Well, I would encourage you, wherever you are, to take one step forward today. So the worship team's gonna come, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna sing a song with you, not just for you, but they're gonna sing a song with you.